Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. November 24, 2020. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable Thanksgiving Edition. Brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, PA, and all state insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Hey, Chet, we got a ton of Philadelphia sports to talk about. The Eagles, the Phillies, the Sixers. We got some Penn State to talk about. But most importantly, we need to take time from all that and uh Give our condolences to you, my friend, on the passing of your 96-year-old father just today and just 34 days after the passing of my 86-year-old mother. Uh, 2020 can't get any worse, my friend. Yeah, that's for sure. And some people might be wondering, you know, why am I doing the show tonight five or six hours after my dad left us? And it's just because... My dad always told me, if you, you start a job, you want to finish the job. And I've never been really good about doing that, but I figured on this day, I'm going to do it. I plan to do this show with Ken and D. and gosh darn it, I'm going to get through it. And you know the ironic thing, Bill, two and a half years ago, uh, the day after your father died, we had D line him on, and D's going to be on with us again tonight. So <laughs> again, she's going to hear us, you know, talking about this sad stuff. But my dad was a great man, and... Uh, He's going to be missed by all who knew him. There's a shot of uh, him and, you know, some of his army stuff. And his wife, my mom, Rose, who he was married to for 65 glorious years from 1947 until she passed in 2012. And now my dad, who's been looking forward to going to see her again, hopefully that will happen. So rest in peace, dad. And uh, thank you for everything. Now, and, you know, Chet, as, as now that we're older and we're parents of our own and grandparents and all that, you know, our parents were our biggest fans. We're our parents' biggest fans. So, yeah. So let's carry on, man. Let's do it. We've got a couple great guests returning tonight, Ken Dunnick and D. Lynham, as you mentioned. And uh, hopefully uh, we can figure out what's going on with the Eagles. And uh, Sixers have a lot going on. I'm really interested in hearing from Ken. Uh, he's been in many professional locker rooms and, uh, he knows that feel. He knows what it's about. Maybe he can explain the elephant in the room that we're hearing about. Yeah, and you know, I've always liked the phrase unmitigated disaster, and that's what we've got with the Eagles right now. So let's see if Ken can help us. Let's bring him on and uh, talk to Mr. Dunnick. Ken, welcome back. Go. Former Eagles tight end, stars tight end, world champion, Jersey man himself. Ken Dunnick, welcome back. Thank you. Had to get hey, that intro you. in there. That's pretty good. I tell you what, I, I need I need an agent. Your uh, that job is open, but uh, okay. Yeah, I want to I want to offer you my condolences to your father. Uh, and thank him for his service. You, you had him for a long time. I lost my dad a couple of years ago, and I can tell you that uh, we had such a good relationship that uh, it actually eased the fact uh, when he, when he passed because there was no regrets. I mean, we just. Uh, you know, we're it was all on the table how we felt about each other. So, but I, I 
want to send you my condolences on his past. That's much appreciated. Yeah, I've got to see my dad you know, quite frequently, as you could see by all the double selfies that we did. And although he was kind of out of it over this past weekend, I spent the whole weekend there uh, just you know, telling him one last time how much he meant to me. So he will be yeah. missed, and thank you, Ken. But let's talk Eagles football right now. That's another thing that's not real pleasant these days. <laughs> no, I was going to say we're going from one sad subject to another. Right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, let's get some answers from you. Ken, maybe you can explain how Doug Peterson has gone from a genius to, in a lot of people's minds, a dope in a couple of years' time. What's going on? Uh, well, I think the easy answer is we just blame it on 2020, right? I mean, nothing's going yeah. right in 2020. So uh, that's one answer. But, I, I, you know, I'm confused. And uh, number one, I think um, the offensive line is playing very poorly. Now, there's injury factors associated with that. But um, so that that's, to me, that's their biggest problem. No continuity on the offensive line. They're not pass protecting the way they need to. They're, they're run blocking okay. Um, but I think that's adding to uh, the problem with Carson Wentz, who continues to make bad decision after bad decision, game after game. And to me, that's a reflection of coaching, okay? You can do it once or twice, but if you continue to do it, then it tells me that something's wrong. Something is not being pointed out in, in the coaching uh, film study. Uh, they're not making their point to Carson to protect the football uh, more carefully than what he's doing. And, and, and that's the frustrating part. Now, from a play calling and scheme uh, aspect, I, I don't think Doug is doing a very good job. Uh, I had a conversation with Ray Didinger yesterday about this. And we're in agreement that, um, you know, he needs to be on the move to be effective. Number one, it's mm -hmm. going to protect him from the pass rush. And number two is it seems his instincts seem to take over when he's on the move and not just sitting there in the pocket going through progression. So I don't know why Doug hasn't done that by now. If, you know, guys like Ray Didinger and I who are, you know, we're Eagles fans and we follow the game, but we're not in the day-to-day -day operation of the team, why they can't figure that out, I'm not exactly sure. Is Doug stubborn? Maybe. I mean, I don't really don't know what the answer is to it. But, uh, you know, week after week, I look forward to these Eagles games. And just like you guys, I'm frustrated by, you know, in the middle of the second quarter, when I throw my shoe at the TV. It's, uh, <laughs> it's not that good of an experience. But, uh, you know, all you can do is uh, hope for the better. But they got a tough stretch of games coming up here, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Ken, what do you think about the um... – the, the fact that they didn't have summer camp, they didn't have a lot of uh, the mini camps and all that. And these young receivers, there are a lot of young receivers. Um, how much of an effect is that on the quarterback to not be able to have that time and not have a lot of veterans who could just adjust? Is that more of an excuse or is that reality? No, I, I think it's reality. But again, all the teams went through that, right? I mean, now, you know, uh, Deshaun Jackson was supposed to be a big part of the offense. He's played very little this year. Alshon Jeffries just now getting on the field. Rager got hurt in training camp, so he really hadn't had the time with Carson. And, you know, you're you're playing guys like uh, Greg Ward and, and Hightower. Um, these guys, and they're just, there hasn't been time enough for him to develop a cohesiveness and uh, to get these guys in sync. Um, now, they practice plenty, and you would think that over time this would be getting better. I think the biggest aspect in the flaw to the Eagles is that we, they just really don't have much speed on the outside other than Rager. And, of course, they're missing Zach Ertz, too, which, you know, is their inside threat. So, you know, if, if we can get healthy, if we can, you know, shore up the offensive line, you know, guys, the 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 NFC East is still up for grabs, and the season isn't lost. But we we got to fix things in a hurry, I think. All right. Well, Carson Wentz, a league high fourteen interceptions, four lost fumbles. It doesn't help that the old line, as you said, has been awful much of this year. I think there were five more sacks allowed on Sunday. Not good. You mentioned the tough schedule. Uh, the fact that they are still in first place. Is there any hope, do you think, that they can actually get it going over the last six games? There's always hope. I mean, the NFL is the NFL, and every week is a one-game tournament. You know, they got Seattle at home this week. You can see the uh, the NFC East there. 
Um, and then I believe they had they're at Green Bay, and I know they have another tough opponent uh, coming up right after that. So yeah. three Cardinals. difficult, yeah, three difficult games in a row. Um, but if you look, um, whoever wins the uh, the Dallas Washington game is technically going to be in first place because it happens on Thursday. So we'll have to see how that all shakes out. You can make you can make an argument that the Eagles are the worst team in the division right now. I don't think anybody could really argue that point that much. They're they're not playing well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Ken, as far as Carson, I, I guess I struggle a little bit with the fact that you just don't turn bad, you know. Uh, and as you said, the offensive line, Chet, Chet it's at 40 sacks. I believe it's also got 50 hits against them. 90 times he's been hit. Uh, besides the hurries, uh, put that with a banged-up offensive line and young receivers. Uh, obviously, the quarterback makes all the money. He gets all the blame. Uh, but they get a lot of problems on that offense. They do. And keep in mind, they're missing three starters off the offensive line. You know, they do they lose Dillard early. Um, they uh, Samalo has been out. Um, Brooks got injured early. He's out. And then you've got Kelsey, who to me is a warrior. He, you know, uh, I love the, the fact that he got he hurt his arm and came back in the game. And um, uh, Lane Johnson on the right side has been a shell of himself. He's got ankle and knee problems. Now he's got a neck. So he he actually got demolished by uh, the linebacker in last week's game. You don't see that very often for him. So you know he's not right. And that that adds, you know, listen, Tom Brady. The book on Tom Brady was if you can get to him, get to his feet, you're going to rattle him. He won't be as effective. And that's true. And it's true for Carson Wentz, too. You can actually see him starting to panic, race through his progressions, making bad decisions with the football. Then all of a sudden, he throws a pick. The, I'm even more concerned with Carson Wentz, how he doesn't protect the football. When he feels pressure, he's got to do one of two things. He's got to step up in the pocket. He's got to get rid of the football and avoid the sack. But at all costs, you have to have two hands on the football and protect it. And for whatever reason, he's just not doing that. And, again, that goes back to the coaching point I talked about earlier. Well, you mentioned the offensive line. And uh, another guy who's really a shell of himself is Jason Peters. Now, he gave up three of those five sacks on Sunday, according to Pro Football Focus. Why is Doug so loyal to him? Or is he being told from above that you got to keep Peters over there at left tackle? I personally would rather see him being, you know, moved to right guard or just put on the bench and let Mylotta play out the season and see what they have there. Because yeah. Peters is not coming back this year. Well, or next I mean, year. listen, you, you can you can make that argument. I think um, for the uh, number one, they paid uh, Peters a lot of money this year to move oh, to yeah. left tackle. So there's always... Uh, what could be a business consideration to leaving him in there. Um, but the other thing is, you know, we're not there day to day. We don't watch practice. Maybe Jason Peters is the best option over there. Now, he, he's, he is getting beat, and he's not the player that he used to be. But, you know, I, I know uh, from being involved in the game and, and, you know, playing and being at practice, and there's nobody that knows the team and knows the personnel like the people that are there every day. So if Nathan Peters is the best option, that's something we just have to live with. And uh, hopefully, you know, what, what I would do if I'm the Eagles, I'd bring him help on the left side. I'd bring a tight end over there or bring a running back on the left side and help him out a little bit because uh, he, he's just not that effective over there on the blind side. Hey, Ken, we have a question from one of our viewers. I'm going to throw up on the screen there. Ask Ken, would it hurt to pull Carson Wentz in a game, not start him, but just – Pull in, give them some humble pie like they did with Tua. Good idea, bad idea. Oh, listen, I guess I'm old school, but I'm uh, of the belief that competition makes you better. And I know personally I never played better than I thought when my job was in jeopardy. Hmm. And they've given Carson Wentz $100-plus million guarantee. It's not like he's going to you know, be financially distraught if something happens. But it may light a fire under him. If you're not playing well. And you, as Herm Edwards said, you play to win the game, right? I mean, put the kid in there, see what he can do. He may spark the team, but at the very least, he'll give Carson the thought that, hey, wait a minute, you know, if I don't start picking my game up, you know, this kid's going to come in, they're going to go with him. So I don't, listen, the egos are different today than, than they were back in the day. We didn't, we didn't have an ego because 
we were trying to avoid the waiver wire the whole time. We had no leverage. You know, there was no financial responsibility of the team. The team had to us because we weren't making that much money anyway. So would I go uh, with Hertz if, if Carson is playing badly? Yeah, I, I would personally would. All right. You mentioned the tough schedule. Uh, the Eagles are going to be underdogs most likely the next four games, including this next one Monday night against Seattle, even though the Seahawks have a horrible defense, not like uh, the old days with the Seahawks. Uh, if this thing does go horribly bad, is it possible that Doug Peterson gets the ax at the end of the season? I mean, I, I would doubt it. Uh, I think, uh, if anything, if they wanted to make a statement, there'd be a scapegoat, like maybe Schwartz would yep. go, uh, uh, something like that. Uh, keep in mind that the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2017, right? So we're not that far removed from it. I don't think Doug has forgotten to coach in three years. I think his combination of the the injuries to the offensive line, uh, losing your speed at wide receiver, losing one of the best tight ends in the league, have all contributed to the Eagles' offensive struggles this year. So I think it's too early to pull the plug on Doug Peterson myself. Well, and, you know, all the blame doesn't belong on the offense either. It seems like every every time they are able to cut into a lead and get the game close, the defense gives up a score. It's like it, it's almost like it's automatic. They go down the field and get points, spread the lead back out, and then they can't recover. The defense has their own issues. I agree. I mean, that happened in the Giants game where the Eagles came back and then, you know, let the Giants come back and score. The, the defensive line, I think, is playing well. They really throttled that Cleveland rushing attack, especially in the first half. Now, they broke a couple long ones in the second half, but I think overall they played pretty well. Our linebackers are actually improving. Uh, even though Gary is out, I think Singleton and some of these uh, other guys uh, have, have stepped it up a little bit. I'm really disappointed in our defensive backs. I don't think they cover that well, and they certainly don't tackle that well. Mills putting his head down on the tackle and, and letting a running back jump over his head, to me, is just bad football. And that's fundamental football that needs to be corrected. Uh, the problem is these guys don't go live in practice anymore. It's all, it's all shadow stuff and no pads. And so when they get out in the game, they, they can't rely on practice habits to carry them through. So, um, but, uh, you know, defensively, I think that if we could uh, cover a little bit better and tackle a little bit better, you know, we, we could be in most of these games. Hey, we haven't seen Zach Ertz in quite a while. There was talk he was maybe on the trade block because he wanted a new contract and that wasn't happening. And then he gets hurt. Now he's out, but he has returned to practice. He could perhaps return as soon as Monday night. They've certainly missed the Zach Ertz of the past couple of years. He wasn't off to a great start this year. Uh, what do you think his mindset is right now? He wanted that new contract. He hasn't looked good, like I said. Uh, is having him back in the lineup going to help, you think? Of course. I mean, it, to me, he's one of the, the top five tight ends in the game. I do think the contract uh, situation is valid. I, I talked to somebody who knows a lot about that situation, who's very close to it, and uh, it, it does bother him that uh, the Eagles are not stepping up in that regard, I think Zach Ertz's biggest problem this year has been losing to Sean Jackson Rigger early, and there was no speed on the outside. So teams just went I and O on him and, and, and blanket covered him, and there was no place for him to go. So, you know, when you when you look, if you get speed receivers on the outside, it makes everybody play honest because they have to honor the speed. If they know they can put seven or eight in the box and crowd the middle and, and go uh, double team a tight end like Zach Ertz, that's when you see the offensive struggle, and I think that's exactly what's happened to the Eagles this year. Well, Ken, I have to ask you this. I mentioned it in the open uh, about the elephant in the room. I don't think we know what the elephant in this room is. Maybe you do, but uh, we don't. I think, but... I think it's me, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, on teams that you were on, locker rooms you were on, how did uh, how did the players go about addressing that elephant in the room when it came up? Is it uh, – Player leadership, uh, how, how does that work from the inside? You know, it's such a different era because, you know, all, these players are all many corporations. Uh, again, just going back to the money aspect of it, we didn't really make uh, very much money. I believe Ron Jaworski was the highest paid player on the Eagles the year after we lost the Super Bowl. He was making 350000 I mean, I think, you know, now the highest paid player in the league makes $42 million. So they're their <laughs> own corporations, right? So you just, it's not like a bunch of guys getting together and say, hey, you got to play better. 
hey, you got to play better. Now it's almost like you got to talk to my agent to get the guy, even though he might be your teammate. So I don't, I, I don't think it's the same environment in the locker room. Now, having said that, I do think there's cases where there are, hey, listen, what do you think Brian Dawkins would be doing right now? I mean, he'd be, I don't care who you are, he'd be snapping players up on the collar and say, yeah, you got to play the game right. So is that leadership lacking in the Eagles? It, it may be, but again, I'm not close enough to this situation to know who's vocal in the locker room and, and who's, you know, making the those points that the guys used to do uh, on an everyday basis. Well, Ken, we're just about out of time, but before we let you go, tell us what's going on with Jersey Man and Philly Man, uh, and how has that pandemic changed things for you? Well, you know, we've—it's uh, affecting us. There's no doubt. I mean, we uh, we moved to a more digital platform, less print to save money. Or we're still doing uh, events. We did live events up until this month. I don't think we're going to be able to do any in December and January. But uh, doing a lot of Zoom chats, our business network has re remained strong, and uh, but a lot of great stories in the magazine. So you can get now. The the good thing for everybody is you can get the magazine for free if you go to JerseyManMagazine.com. You can access a digital copy of the magazine and uh, read it for free. And we had Diana Rossini of ESPN on the cover last time, and she uh, was a, a delight, uh, a very nice girl. And uh, we've got some other uh, great stuff coming up. So uh, we publish quarterly now. The next issue will be out January 1st. So please visit jerseymenmagazine.com and enjoy uh, a magazine that we put a lot of sweat and tears into because it's a labor of love for us. Awesome. And didn't I see, do you have a Boston now as well? Well, Boston Man Magazine, we started a franchise company called USA Man, and we sold the rights to Boston. So there is a Boston Man Magazine. They have a great magazine. Matt Roboto is the publisher up there, and you know, he uh, he hosts some great parties just like we do. And, mm -hmm. you know, they've been throttled back here a little bit. But uh, once the vaccine gets out there, I'm pretty confident in the February or March we'll be getting close uh, to normal. So. Good awesome. deal. Hey, one one last thing, Ken. You also are doing uh, temple football as well, right? You're a busy man. I am pretty busy. That's good because um, you know guys my age are normally sitting in the corner drinking vermeil <laughs> wine, which by the way I'm doing right here. All hey. um, yeah, I do. Nice. Uh, I've done college football for ESPN for quite a while. They have me do the temple games because it's uh, it's local for them, and uh, I enjoy it. It keeps me involved in the game. Keeps you sharp. Very good. Well, Ken, we appreciate you taking time to join us. Uh, good luck, and uh, let's get through this thing and go birds. Hey, I'm your one of your biggest fans, and uh, say hello to Delina, who is also a columnist for Jersey Man Magazine, too. So awesome. you got your guys coming on, and I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Ken. Thank you, Thanks. Ken. Take care. Take care. All Take right. Care. Hey, Chad, if you're looking for uh, insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you. All-state insurance in Westchester, PA. Yes, indeed, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what is most important to you and your family. Call Dave today at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania. It's 610-430-0700. Again, that number is 610-430-0700. 700. And Bill, let's see if we can get this to work this week. We had a little problem with him last week, but I feel Merrill is going to come on and say hello. Hi, football fans. This is Merrill Reese, and you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good. Yes. Oh, now we got to get rid of the Allstate guy. Hey, Dave. Thanks well, for ahead, you can talk. You can talk. Go ahead. Ah, uh, no, good stuff uh, from Merle. I, I'd like to hear Merle saying it's good just a few more times uh, <laughs> than we've been hearing. That's for sure. Because a lot of the time this year, it's been bad. Yeah, it's been bad. <laughs> hey, Chad, Philly's made a pitching coach hire 33-year-old Caleb Cotham. Interesting that Cotham was on the Reds' big league roster in 2016. Uh <laughs> Heavy analytics guy, not a lot of formal coaching experience. Going to be really interesting to see how this goes. Oh, Bill, you had me at heavy analytics guy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had you at 33 years old and was on the big league roster. 
I'm trying to contain my excitement. Look, who the hell knows how good a pitching coach he may be? We were thinking we had a gem in Brian Price last season. Most of the pitching staff, though, sucked. And Price decided that 60 games was more than enough with this franchise and the Phillies organization. Let's hope for the best in 2021, but I'm sensing it's not going to be a wonderful baseball season in Philadelphia. Please prove me wrong. Well, you know, he he was with the Yankees before he was with the Reds, so he's got some Girardi experience. I think that's where this comes from. And I did read some stuff that said that he was like a coach in the bullpen, Uh, you know, that he was very well prepared, always prepared, always talking, always, um, you know, throwing his analytics, I guess, out there. Uh, to help players, and it was a it was a no brainer that he was going to become a coach. Uh, but being a big league bullpen coach at or pitching coach at this age and little experience is kind of an interesting move. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We hope for the best, of course. And uh, speaking of good stuff, uh, congrats to Bryce and wife Kaylee, the Harpers. They have uh, another baby in the family, a baby girl this time around. So, congrats to Bryce and Kaylee. Yep, and now all Bryce needs is JT Realmuto and his family. And yeah, that's that's what we all need. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. All right, hey Chip, the Daryl Morey era started with a bang for the Sixers this week. D Lineham was going to tell us about it and how the Sixers. Geez, I don't know. They made a lot of moves. Let's see what's going on. D, welcome back again. Always a pleasure to be with you guys. Hello, D. Uh, boy, another offseason, albeit a shorter-than-usual one this time, with a whole bunch of changes to the Sixers roster, as well as Daryl Morey, as we mentioned, and a new head coach. Let's first, though, talk about the trades that sent Josh Richardson and Al Horford and his bloated contract out of town and brought the Sixers Danny Green and Seth Curry just getting rid of the Horford contract to me was huge, but what about the additions of Green and Curry? Does this help the team? Does it make them better? Well, I said to people, I think you should look at the moves that were made on draft night in two categories. One was what it did for the organization financially, and then who are they compared to who they were from a basketball standpoint uh, a year ago to what they're going to roll out there, you know, come a month from now, uh, barring any more moves. So, you know, the Al Horford contract is huge. Uh, it's not so much just for this year, but it, what it allows for them in the next two years, if in fact you want to be a player in free agency, you now have created some cap space for yourself that did not exist before. So that's a big one. And I think what's important to know, and Daryl Morey said it, uh, whether it was that night or the next day, that if you didn't make the Al Horford move, you could not have made the Seth Curry trade. Yep. So one led to the other. And I think the other important thing, he, he tried to say in his initial uh, press conference, and maybe he was trying to keep cards close to the best, that, you know, the shooting, that's his MO, right? At least in his time in Houston. Mm-hmm. And they shoot at an incredible volume. Now, he said to me on that day, we did that because that's the roster I had. But it's also the roster he had created down there. <laughs> So to go out and and absolutely look for better fits around Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons in having shooting, which this organization has had in the past, whether you want to go back to Bellinelli when they acquired him right after the trade deadline and Ursan Ilyasova, obviously J.J. Redick. And those were their more successful times on the court with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons when healthy. So for him to go out and get Danny Green, obviously, didn't have as great a year last year, uh, had a much better year his year before in Toronto from a shooting perspective, um, but an attractive expiring contract after this year. And then obviously Seth Curry, the second highest, you know, three-point shooting career-wise. Um, the one thing I say to people, and I don't know how they're going to use him, but he's a guy who averaged 25 minutes last year. And his last two years have been outstanding from a percentage standpoint, 45% from three. Mm-hmm. I would prefer they keep him in that role. Maybe maybe you roll him out and you try to play him, you know, 35 minutes. But I think that if you do that, you will expose some of his other areas of his game that make him Seth and not Steph. Right. <laughs> hey, hey D, I, I didn't know this until last night when I was putting some things together for this show. 
I didn't know that Seth was Doc Rivers' son-in-law. Yeah. That that's an interesting twist. Yeah. How's that work out? Well, you know what's interesting? People forget about this, but you know, uh, and now all of a sudden I'm drawing a blank. He's a Duke kid who's been on the Warriors the last couple of years, and he came through the uh, G League. But he is Steph Curry's brother-in-law because he's <laughs> married to the sister of Steph's wife. So they, and that and he was in the G League for a while, fought hard. And, you know, now has had a job. But, you know, sometimes familiarity is what I think a lot of it. Look, you can't ignore Seth's shooting numbers. And so for a team that really needed to find that shooting again, I think I'll judge him on that part of it. But obviously the familiarity certainly helps if you're going to make a gamble like trying to switch this all up. I'd rather know what I'm getting for sure than making a gamble on somebody I maybe don't know as well. Hey, another new addition, uh, the guy who's going to back up Joel Embiid this year. He's a great defensive player. Dwight Howard, how much does he have left in the tank? Well, he averaged a hair under 19 minutes a game last year. Uh, he's a guy that always has kept himself in shape, though he has battled injuries. Uh, but as I say, if you can keep him in a role, look, they've had backups here before in the Greg Monroe's and the Amir Johnson's that weren't good enough when Embiid got hurt. So then they went out and they overpaid for a guy that essentially was still just a backup center because you couldn't play the two together in Al Horford. And Embiid ends up not being as hurt. We did have, obviously, the pandemic, but as hurt as the previous years. <laughs> so I would hope that you don't have to use Dwight for any long stretches of time in this 72-game season. When I say long stretches, where he has to be your starter because I think then you might get yourself in a little bit of trouble, but I'll take him any day as the backup to Embiid for sure. Well, Dee, on draft night, uh, five picks for the Sixers, three of them guards, two of them considered shooting guards. Uh, how did you like the picks, and uh, did they address needs that, you know, that these guys are going to be able to contribute? Well, uh, Tyrese Maxey, obviously, in most opinions, fell to them, and – I think that's, you know, outstanding that they grabbed him when they did, even if he doesn't have, quote, the shooting that you thought they needed, right? But he's a fierce competitor. He will guard. I will tell you, I don't often hear my dad say when he, like, studies film of college guys who he thinks could step in and guard. This guy can do that. And I think when you lose a Josh Richardson, who, let's give him credit along with Ben Simmons, they were really a formidable duo in guarding the perimeter last year. So I think Maxi will have a role and his him along with Bible as young guys who have an interest in guarding and have a skill set there, I think brings, you know, we talk a lot about the shooting and the inside play of, of Embiid, but the defense is a big part of this too. So I think he helps tremendously in that regard. And I'm not saying he's not a good shooter. He shot 29% from three, but there's not a lot of, uh, sample size there. It's one year. They don't shoot a ton of threes. So I look at a guy's form. He looks like there's nothing wrong with the shot, which is what was said about Thibel coming out the previous year about his shot. And I think there were times where he, he looked really good shooting the ball. You didn't want him shooting it a ton, but you can develop and grow those guys as shooters. So I love that one. Uh, obviously, they gave up the 36 pick in one of those trades. Uh, you get the shooter from Arkansas. Again, has an NBA skill set. He probably, I don't know this for a fact, but he might be the two-way guy out of this group. They let go of Mariel Shayok, so that looked to me as a move that we probably could anticipate somewhere in the near future um, because you just don't have a lot of wiggle room on this roster. You're talking about Isaiah Joe, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So Hey, uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are still here, of course. They're the two big stars. You think we're going to see them taking any significant steps forward uh, in the new season with a new coach and new teammates? Well, they had better. I, mean, yeah. I think that's the, the whole point. Um, I think Doc and Daryl Morey and, you know, just the entire revamped front office, along with Elton Brand, that I think the expectation is that they are going to have to do more. I was just looking up, like, you know, Embiid did not average 30 minutes a game last year. Under 30 minutes. Hmm. And, you know, if you, for comparison's sake, when you look at a LeBron, who's 35 years old, by the way, averaged 35 minutes. 
Anthony Davis a hair under 35 minutes. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things, you know, if you're going to be a cornerstone, you have to be able to be out there. And so, and the other thing I think we'll, we'll see how they let them play. I think you won't see Ben being forced to take a ton of jumpers. I, I really get the feeling that the reason they surrounded them with shooting is to try to go to the strengths of who these two guys are. And for Ben, you, then you got to attack the rim. And I expect his game to grow in that regard and be more willing to go to the foul line as opposed to shooting 15 footers. And with Embiid, I think you're going to have more presence in the post throughout the game, not just to start a game when he's in shape and then ends up running three to three line. I think you're going to see more consistent inside presence that that will be demanded of him. Now, whether he delivers, we'll see. Yeah, and, and I just want to ask you about Ben and what, what you saw, see his role being, because to me, uh, he's not going to have the ball in his hands near as much with all these perimeter guys and, and probably not point guard. Uh, so where is he going to fit in? And, uh, you know, as you said, it's going to change his skill set is going to be used differently. Well, I would disagree that he's not going to have the ball in his hands because I think you find the shooters to uh, take advantage of his court vision. And I hear Doc say it a lot. Yes, they want to go inside, but they also want to play with pace. I mean, he, he wants to push the ball. Now, for some of us, it's like, well, you have Joel who doesn't always run the floor. So if I'm waiting for him, where's the pace going to be? But I think those are the things he says. Uh, and, and Ben's the, the head of that, you know, the head of the snake, whatever they call that, uh, of, of pace. So I do think he will have the ball in his hands. Will they use him as a roller similar to what Breck was doing in the back half of last year? I would anticipate only because it's pretty effective for him, but I think it will be his job to draw attention and kick to these shooters. And if the attention doesn't come, he's going to have to attack the rim like he is capable of doing. So I do think that's what his role is. Uh, I think he will end up being, you know, you can give it a name. Every group gives it a different name point forward, but that he will have the ball in his hands, uh, I I believe will be true. D, last season, pre-pandemic, the Sixers were dominant at home. Uh, this new season is going to start the 72-game schedule, presumably 36 home games, but with no fans in the stands, at least not to start the new season. Uh, is that going to make a difference? Uh, I mean, obviously, you'd love to have fans there, but do you think that's going to hurt them at all, the Sixers at home? Well, I mean, when you only have two losses out of 31 tries last year, yeah. you have to say that's going to not be the same. And they, and they often would refer to the crowd as a six-man, a huge mm -hmm. boost, especially because they were so poor on the road. Hmm. So I don't anticipate that they could be 29-2 and two at home without a fan presence. I think it just it becomes more neutral. But I also anticipate that you're not going to be 10 and whatever 20 something that they were on the road last yeah. year so um it, you know this whole playing without fans i think the biggest thing is you you know we see it with every week in college football right now games are being canceled i think that the priority becomes because you don't have a bubble to get through this as safe as you can and even the way they're doing the schedule the first half is coming out and then they'll do the second half at right. some during the first half to be able to kind of cover in case you have these COVID situations where games are missed. Hey, D, I have to ask you kind of off of the team portion and just the league as a whole, uh, ratings were not good. No. Uh, even the championship finals weren't good. Um, we don't really know what this season holds as far as fans. And it seemed like this week they were printing money in the NBA and throwing it at everybody. Uh, how, 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 how are they able to do that? Well, because they kept the salary cap the same as the previous year. That was agreed upon. Now, to, to do that, they did put money in escrow. And your anticipation is as you go into the following season, you will be able to start to make up for that. And you'll start to return to what the, quote, norm is. When you talk about the ratings and even the ones of the championship, I think a couple of things were going on there. One, that you were competing against the other three big sports. Everybody was playing at the same time. And let's face it, like when you're going up, one of those nights was against uh, NFL football. And I don't care. It, it, it's a competition is there right at that point. 
So that was one. And I think the fact that this country at the time was going through a big period in terms of watching what would happen with the election. And I think that took a lot of people's attention. You know, you say you wanted to be diverted, but a lot of people wanted to also be informed. And so I think if you can return to the regular time and season of your sport, along with giving a good product and hopefully have the hope that fans will by the back end of this season, hopefully, you might have to go the whole year without it, but hope that you will soon be able to be a normal fan again. Hey, DR, previous guest uh, on our show this evening, a guy you know, Ken Dunnick, he said to say hello to you. You do some writing for him. What are you doing for Jersey Man? Uh, you know, he came to me, God, that's a number of years now, right after um, I left Comcast Sportsnet. And so I've been writing for his magazine ever since. Uh, I love it. I love to write. And I wrote a number of years when I was uh for the website at Comcast Sportsnet, now NBC Sports Philadelphia. So mm -hmm. uh, it's great. It's a it's a great magazine. For me personally, I try to do a sports article. It's not always basketball because I like people to know I you know, can branch out and I actually have other interests. Um, so I write for him. Yes, it's, it's been really fun. Cool. Yeah. All right, D. Every time we are all we have you on, you are doing a thousand things. So what are you doing now uh, with the pandemic? Are you still able to do all the stuff you normally do? So I'm still over at 97.5 The Fanatic on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And obviously during football, the programming changes some. Sorry, I'm, my chair is swiveling. Um, <laughs> so I still do that. Uh, I'm teaching Chestnut Hill College, and I also teach an online course, which I have at 9 o'clock tonight. Uh, that I really enjoy, which is for, um, it's for a company called Sports Management Worldwide. And so I actually, like I have a kid in my class right now who will dial in from India. I have a kid from England. So we have a really diverse group. Um, wow. Actually, I can't believe this, but Mammoth College, I'm going to call the women's games for them. And they have a unique setup that they're going to play Friday, Saturdays on six weekends and no fans and we're kind of just spaced out in the gym as a broadcast team. And so that starts in, I think my first game is in 10 days. So nice. Uh, yeah. Because the Ivy League isn't doing them. And you know, I right. think that Princeton and the G League will, I do think the G League will happen, but it has been pushed back, obviously, until they get the NBA up and running. And I imagine we'll see the G League maybe in February. So, all right. One now, thing's for sure no grass grows under D Lion's feet. <laughs> and I try to play as much golf as possible. I know. I saw you were out there last weekend. You're lucky. Right. I was out there this morning. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, Dave, thank thanks you. again for coming by. We always appreciate it. Always great insight. And uh, have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks so much. You too. Have a safe and healthy one. All thank right. you, Dave. Thank you. Well, it is time, Bill. We need some music, though, before we uh, bring our next guest on. And I got it. Well, the music means that the man is back. Edge of Philly Sports Network, Freddie Burns, talk fantasy football. Fred, another big injury to the Bengals quarterback, Joe Burrow, as he goes down. Uh, obviously, if there's a quarterback available, somebody got to have him. Yeah, that, that stinks. I would not pick up. I think the backup is Ryan Fisher or Ryan Finley. Uh, but there is a quarterback out there that you can stream against the Bengals, and it's Daniel Jones. He's been... You know, he's not the greatest quarterback, but given the matchup and the type of yards the Bengals give up, he is efficient at times. He can make throws. He's probably a top 12 this week, just for this week only. Pick up Daniel Jones, and you can start him against the Bengals, and that'll that'll suffice for one week if you if you lost Joe. Da Barrow. Daniel Jones is getting better. And yes, the Giants, he is. The Giants are getting better. Maybe they just needed a fist fight in the locker room with the coaches or something, but whatever that all happened. But, hey, Giants are getting better, and so is Daniel Jones. Yeah, definitely, and that moves me to receiver, too. I would even go as far as to grab Sterling Shepard this week as well. Um, he's a guy that's on the waiver wire. If you need a receiver in that flex, wide receiver, you know, low end two, three, go get Sterling uh, Shepard. Running back-wise, you have, um, what's it, with the COVID, with the with the Baltimore Ravens, you got J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram out with the COVID. Well, I don't think it's a, they're officially out, but it's most likely. I, so, I think they are out. 
Okay, then I, then I, I expected them to be regardless, but uh, Gus Edwards, get on the Gus bus, try to grab him. He's a, a running back you can pick up and start there if, if you need a back. Um, Cam Akers is another one. He had a good night the other night for the Rams. They kind of do the committee there. That's, that's a risk, but it is a second-round pick that they want to showcase and improve. He's worth a second-round pick, so he's another guy you can grab at running back. A uh, few other receivers. That Nelson Aguilar, <laughs> six catches, 88 yards, and a touchdown. He's yeah, not six a, a touchdowns sh- this year. Six touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. He, he's catching them. He still drops two or three a game, <laughs> but he's 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 still like T.O. would lead the league in drops. Not saying he's T.O., but as long as you do the other plays to make up for that, the drops are forgotten. So he's a guy you can grab. Jalen Rieger, I know the Eagles offense looks terrible, but the Seattle Seahawks pass defense is also terrible. So that is a guy you could also probably pick up and get some some points out of. Move into tight end. Thank um, you for not mentioning Alshon Jeffrey this week. Thank you. Well, if you saw, you probably didn't see it, but my fantasy article, I did uh, eat crow on that. I still haven't given up on that. But I have. But, but this week, I will crush him because he mistimed that jump. Yes, and he did. Then, and then acted like it was Wentz's fault, but it was yeah. him. Get him out so, of here. So I'm, I'm with you. Now. I'm fully out. I tried okay. to, you know, play the fence with him. But anyhow, right. uh, tight end wise. Tight end. Jordan Reed, I uh, he's he's available. You know, this is again guys you would stream if you have your typical starters: Mark Andrews, Donu Smith, Johnu Smith. You know the the stars, Darren Waller. You're set, but these are guys you would stream. Dalton Schultz looked a lot better with Andy Dalton at quarterback. Um, he had a touchdown, four catches, forty seven yards. That's another pickup. Hey Fred, before we get on to our picks, I got to throw this up here for you. Much love, Freddie Burns. Thanks, Darrow. From, from Darrow. He's listening to you, and uh, he's, uh, man. He's, send, he's sending his love to you, all right? <laughs> sending love back. Love you, Darrow. There you go. There you all go. right. There you go. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about our picks. Um, but before we do, Chet, how did you guys do this week? Uh, what are the standings so far? And I told you the Eagles were going to man up and win, and uh, no, that's okay. Well, Fred and I had just one different pick last week. I went with my head and took the Browns to beat the Eagles. Fred took the Birds, and we know what happened there. So I was 3-1 and one for the week. Fred was 2-2. Two and two. So Fred's lead is now down to one game. He is 29-16. and 16. I'm 28 and 17. And Bill, you actually picked two games last week. You took the Eagles as a pride pick. You were wrong. You also guaranteed that the Washington football team was not going to beat the Bengals. You were wrong on that front, too. You've now lost six of the seven games that you've officially picked this year, Bill. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, it's Get because, it in, I, don't want, because I don't watch the games, but uh, it doesn't help when Joe Burrow goes down. That's for sure. I know that. I know that. Uh, let's All move right. on. Let's move on. But I, I I appreciate the jab. No problem. <laughs> I will note that for later. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Okay. Let's talk out, talk with uh, some Thanksgiving day predictions. we got Washington and Dallas. Dallas is minus three. We're throwing in the Ravens uh, against the undefeated Steelers. Steelers were minus four. That may have gone up since the running backs are out. Uh, Giants visit the Bengals. The Giants are minus six. And then we have Monday night football. The Seahawks are visiting the uh, Eagles, and that's a minus six. So, Fred, Washington at Dallas, Dallas minus three. Who you like? I'm going to go with the Redskins again. Uh, the Dallas looked better, but it, it's it's the, the Vikings aren't that great. The Dalvin Cook, they run the ball. The, the, the Vikings defense was terrible in the beginning of the year. They looked more like they were in the beginning of the year. I don't trust Andy Dalton. I know the Cowboys are at home. And uh, rest in peace, the guy. I know they got some stuff going on down there, the, the coach that, that passed away today for Dallas. So I, I just think uh, the Redskins are going to win this one. So I'm going to go Skins. I'm sorry, the football team. I've given up on trying to get you to stop to say the Redskins, <laughs> but I too am going with the visitors, the Washington football team. I just have a hunch. Dallas got their win out of the system last week, uh, costing some people money probably when they beat Minnesota. I'm also taking Washington to beat Dallas in Big D. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Ravens and Steelers. Steelers minus four. Steelers are undefeated, boys. Yeah, they're looking good. The schedule looks like they could run the table pending this game. And and with all the COVID and the shutdown for the Ravens being on a short week, 
The spread, as you said, was four. It's now six. I'm going to have to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers to win this one on Thursday. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Pittsburgh. It's going to be tough for them because they got to play like 13 weeks in a row because of what happened earlier this year. I don't think they're going to run the table, and you would think the Ravens could be per, you know, perhaps an upset uh, winner, but I don't see it. The Ravens have been very inconsistent of late. Pittsburgh playing much better. I'm taking Pittsburgh also. Yeah, the only game of this of the season that I have watched that was not the Eagles was the Steelers Redskins or Steelers Ravens game, and it was a it was a knockdown dragout. It was, it was yeah. football. Yeah, good game. All right, Giants versus the Bengals. Giants minus six. We said Giants are getting better. Who do you like? Giants are getting better, and the and the Bengals lost Joe Barrow, so that kind of eliminates any chance in my mind that that they can win that football game. I'm going to have to go with the Giants. I'm taking the Giants also. Heck, they might even cover that six-point spread. I'm taking the Giants, though. So, with that said, come well, come Monday night, two the Eagles are going to be in third place, according to you guys, because Washington's yeah. going to win and the Giants are going to win. They're going to have four losses. The Eagles are going to have three in the tie. Going into Monday night against Seattle. Who do you like? Seahawks minus six. You guys are going to be surprised on this one. So, oh, no. And this is based on Vegas, not really how the Eagles have played. The spread is a five or six, but the money line is showing Eagles plus 200. So they're two to one dogs. It should be way higher than that. Like the Tennessee Titans this weekend against the Ravens were plus 230. So I think that's a shady spread. And this might be a sucker game where everyone loads up on Seattle. They do not have a good defense. I know. And I know it's been bad, but I, I just got a hunch. And I like last week, I really thought they were going to win just because I the Browns were, weren't as good, and the Eagles really should have win if they weren't if for the terribleness they played. I just I got a hunch. I'm going to go with the Eagles. Okay, and just like last week, I'm going to hope you're right and hope I'm wrong. But the Eagles have shown me nothing. I can't in good conscience pick them. I'm taking Seattle in a high scoring game, 34-27 Seahawks. And I'm still rocking my boy, baby. I was, I was going to say, you're still repping. Hey, I got to throw this up on the screen for you. He'll make a pick, though. I want your pick. Eagles. Oh, okay. Here you go. Ravens will be up for the game and take the Ravens to give Pittsburgh their first defeat from Robbie Ellis. Well, she's from Maryland. Followed by <laughs> this one. My gut tells me Eagles win. It's time. Yeah, everyone keeps saying it's time. Bench wins. It's time. You're right, Robbie Ellis. It's time for a W. And we haven't Robbie, beat the Seahawks in what, like seven years, eight years? I, I Robbie, that, that feeling in your gut, Robbie, it might have been something you ate. <laughs> well, that's going to be crow you're going to eat next week. So <laughs> I hope. let's just go with that. Wait, one more bonus pick for the weekend. We're throwing this into the standings. Saturday, Penn State visits an empty big house to face Michigan Michigan is minus three, and the first time these two teams have ever met, they don't mean it doesn't matter one bit. Who do you like? I you bet against Penn thinking. State every week this year, and I'm not stopping on a Saturday. It is fun to watch Michigan lose, too, but they pulled that one out against Rutgers. I'm going Michigan. Look, I'm not going to put the bag over the head again, but I cannot pick Penn State. I'm sorry. I know Michigan's not uh, world domination anymore, but uh, Penn State's looking bad. Yeah, Michigan wins. So so does Michigan. So we'll I see know. how that plays out. All right, Fred, before we let you go, let the viewers know how they can follow all your social media outlets and all the things you have going on. You can find me on Facebook. Just search Freddie Burns with a Y, Freddie with a Y, and then uh, at Fred Hugo underscore for Twitter and Instagram. And then you can find all my articles on EOPsports.com as well as on uh, Edge of Philly Sports. Uh, sports on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all that on Wednesday nights at 9.30 p.m. All right, my man. We'll see you next week. Have a great Thanksgiving with the family. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to both of you. Go Birds. All right, be be safe. Go Birds. All right, Chet, let's give out a a shout-out to our partners at Edge of Philly Sports Network and their shows. You can check out the Broad Street Bully Podcast, Drew, Jeff, Doyle, talking Flyers hockey with some amazing guests and hilarious banter. Birds IQ every Monday, 7 p.m. with Kyle and Eric Quinn talking Eagles football. Edge of Philly Sports Live, as Fred just mentioned. Joe, Freddie, Big Al cover 4-4. So all the Philly sports teams are covered. You can watch them live Wednesday night 
at 9.30 p.m. And also, you can check out all the shows at www.eopsports.com. Help us out by hitting subscribe, follow, and like buttons, and always share with your family and friends. We and need hey, the likes. Bill, one other thing, uh, one other note. <laughs> Our buddy Tom Kelly and his crew uh, at the Patterson Avenue Fanatics. These guys, they're bringing their Patterson Avenue Fanatics show to the Edge of Philly Sports Network real soon. Matter of fact, it's going to debut 10 or 11 days from now, December 5th at 9 p.m. Check Tom and the guys out. Patterson Avenue Fanatics. You'll be glad that you did. We're looking forward to it. It's a, that's a good-looking bunch of guys, Chet. Look at those guys, man. Look at them. <laughs> Get them out of here now. All right. (laughs) Hey, great guest tonight. Ken Dunnick, Dean Lyon, and, of course, Freddie with Edge Philly uh, Sports. Who who do we have coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? And we will be back on Wednesday next week. Next week, Wednesday, Bill. It's another one of our old favorites who's about to join us. For the first time since last April, though, uh, we will talk football, including an Eagles-Packers preview, because he writes about the Packers quite a bit these days from his beach chair down in South Carolina. You know him. You love him. I'm not going to put his picture up because it'll scare the kids. Uh, Mark Eckel joining us next week. And I promised Mark he can have like 30 seconds to get a few digs in about Penn State suffering through this miserable season because you know he was going to do it anyway. That's what I was going to say. I'm surprised that you would book Mark after he's uh, been dogging those Dickie Lions every week. Yeah, we'll give him a shot. What the heck? Maybe it'd be a positive note. Uh, we could hope. You could rub it back at him a little bit. Uh, are we are we razzing or not, Bill? We are. Of course we are. Raz. We, uh, we want to thank our friends at PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia. On their Facebook page, people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have 11, 11 line razzes, mystery boxes, and now a memorabilia shop. Check out their Facebook pages. Like them or follow them. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room and PPCC 118 Raz Room Shop on Facebook. All right, Chet, with that, do you have a parting shot tonight? Oh, you know that I do, Bill. It is Thanksgiving 2020, and it's going to be tough this year, but there have to be at least a few things that we can be thankful for, right? I'm going to try. First, thank you, Philadelphia Eagles. You've stunk it up, but you've certainly given us a whole lot to talk about this (laughs) fall. A little bit too much, perhaps. But hey, being 8-2 and or 7-3 and at this point, that would just be boring. Thank you, Phillies catcher, JT Real Muto, Mr. Best Catcher in Baseball. You gave us two real good seasons, and we would love to have you come back for a third and fourth and fifth. Maybe even more, but doesn't look like that's going to happen. But please, please, JT, consider it. Thank you, Philadelphia Flyers, especially Elaine Vigneault and Chuck Fletcher, for confirming that it really does help to have a coach and a general manager who know what they're doing. Are you listening, Eagles? Oh, Carter Hart, you're okay, too. Oh. Thank you, Josh Harris. You own the 76ers, and you often come across as being a bland, out-of-touch guy. But the decision to bring in Daryl Morey, Peter Dinwiddie, and Doc Rivers has changed a lot of minds, including mine. I guess you really do want the Sixers to be a legitimate contender. Thank you also to our amazing guests and our Philly Press Box Radio sponsors, Christina and Tracy and the gang at the Irish Rover, Dave Lavoie at Allstate Insurance, the PPCC 118 Raz Room, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, and of course, to our many devoted listeners. Bill and I wouldn't be doing this without the support of all of you folks. A big thank you all to our buddy, Big Al. Al Zafiri at Edge of Philly Sports, who has helped us immensely over the last several months since we became part of the EOP network, including training us on this fancy StreamYard video setup that has taken our already pretty good show to a new level. And of course, a big thanks to Freddie Burns and my podcast partner of six and a half years now, Bill Furman, for what you guys bring to the table every week. Hopefully, we won't get the seven-year itch. Oh, and one more thing. I just want to say it again. Thank you. To my dad, he left us today. Uh, you know, he's been with me, obviously, my whole life, 96 years in general, his World War II service, and just being, you know, a great dad and a great husband to my mom and uh, a good guy. We lost him today. So thank you, dad. And everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. That's my parting shot, Bill. 
Can't top that. We're going to let that roll. And uh, again, I would like to say the same thing. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Chad, and your family. It's going to be a rough week. Um, and to all the listeners for being part of what we do 315 times yep. you've let us into your house. And uh, we, we appreciate that. Wrap sure. it up, Bill. So with that, let's wrap it up. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, December 2nd at 7 p.m. You can listen to us live on Facebook or our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, on Google Podcasts as well as Apple Podcasts and others. Happy Thanksgiving and high hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Go Birds! Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.